Well, good morning, Brookside. I love that video, don't you? Yeah, it was great. Um, it's a privilege, really, Dad, uh, just for us to be able to honor you uh, this morning. And uh, so, yeah, thanks for being here. And if you're a guest here with us, we want to welcome um, you here as well. When I first saw that video, I thought, oh, that just it totally nails it, you know? Um, sometimes, isn't it true that sometimes it's a little bit hard, isn't it, to get the right words out? But when we really take the time to think them through and to um, actually get to that point where we speak those words, uh, they're really powerful, incredibly powerful. This morning, as we continue on in our series through the book of John, um, we're going to talk about the power of words today, uh, the power that, of the words that oftentimes we get to receive, but also the, the power of the words that we have the opportunity to be able to give to others. Um, there's no doubt about it. I think you would agree with me that the words that we say are, are extremely important. Um, they're extremely powerful. You could think of it like this. We have um, the, the power, you could say that words are powerful to the point that they either make us or break us. I think you would agree with that. Words are so powerful, they either come along and they make us into who we are, or sometimes they, they really break us. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 12. He said, for out of the overflow of the heart, he said, the mouth speaks. So he talked about right to the very core. Words are so powerful. Why? Because they come from the core of, of who you are. Words are powerful, so powerful that in the moment that they're spoken, they have the power to right in that moment to either build us up or to tear us down. King David understood the power of words and so much so that he wanted his words to count. And so he cried out to God and he said, Lord, may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of my heart, he said, might they be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. And then he said, my rock and my redeemer. And what David was aware of was that words are, are powerful. What can happen in a moment with a word can have the potential to impact someone for an entire lifetime. Hopefully you've experienced firsthand oftentimes some pretty thoughtful words maybe that have come your way, encouraging words. And, and you know that those kinds of words, they have a lot of power. They have the power to really steer you in the right direction. They have the power oftentimes to keep a person going. Those kinds of words have the power to reaffirm someone. They have the power to help someone who's doubting to keep going. Words, the right words, have the power to inspire people to action. Heartfelt words have the power to make relational bonds stronger. Well-chosen words are the fuel for good relationships. They allow relationships to thrive. It's an uncontested fact, I think we would all say, that words are powerful. That words are powerful so much so that they either make us or oftentimes they can even break us. You know the old nursery rhyme. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but here, say it with me, words will never hurt me. Yeah, even a small child can learn pretty quickly that that little nursery rhyme is a bit off base, isn't it? I can't believe really that it caught on. The truth is oftentimes physical, um, physical wounds heal lots of times a lot faster and they're a lot less memorable than someone's words, than what someone said. Or for may, maybe for you, you think, if only someone would have said. And you've got in your mind a whole category of things that you're like, I just wish just one time he would have said that to me. The absence of words are powerful. I had a high school football coach, Coach Miller, and at the end of our, at the end of our football season, we had a banquet. And um, 
I'll never forget this probably as long as I live. I remember at that banquet, at the end of it, he began to talk about the different players. And he said some really nice things about me and the other guys. He didn't say anything about football and my talents there, but he said nice things about me just as a person. That was great. But I, I can tell you this in detail, he, what he said to me. I can tell you the words that he said. I can tell you where he was standing. I could tell you about the seat I was sitting in. I could tell you about where my parents were in the room and the look on their faces. I remember the details. And even more importantly, I can tell you the impact that his words have had on me ever since they were spoken. Words are powerful. Just speaking very personally, just kind of heart to heart here. This, is, this topic is so significant, and I believe that words are so impactful because when I look at my own life and I look at the different events that have had significance, and then when I hear the stories of other people and I hear, wow, this, this was a defining moment in my life, most often those big events in my life or in your lives are tied to the words that someone spoke. Oftentimes, the words that are spoken into us make us, in, make us who we are. A year or so ago, my parents were out here, and they were visiting, and, and they had come to church on, on Sunday morning, and when I got back from church, we were talking about the service, and as usual, they had just nice things to say, and, but there was something that, that really stuck with me. My dad and I were walking down the stairs in our home to, to take some things to their car. They were going to head off, and, and he looked at me, and he said, Jeff, I want you to know, he said, Jeff, I'm proud of you. He said, you did a really good job today. Now, that was just a handful of words, right? But it stuck with me. I still remember those words. There's power in words. There's especially power in words that are spoken from a mother or a father to a son or to a daughter. But like most good things, there's also a dark side to words, isn't there? There's power in hurtful words. There's power, and maybe you've received this, there's power in words that are demeaning. Maybe you had some words come your way that they, you would say they crushed your spirit. Or maybe someone said some things that really weren't even true about you, but you believed them. And as a result, they sidelined you for maybe a period of your life, or maybe you're still sitting on the sidelines because of some hurtful words, some untrue words that were spoken about you. Maybe you wish that you could erase certain words from your memory bank. And then there's that whole other category that I mentioned, words that are never spoken. Words that you just wish would have been said. I asked a friend of mine this week, um, just thinking about Father's Day, and I didn't know this part of his life at all, and I said, I said, hey, tell me about your relationship with your dad. And one of the first things, completely unprompted, he said to me, he said, I didn't hear the words, I love you, until I was 40 plus years old. But I loved what he said next. He said, and so what I'm doing now, my dad is past, and he said, every time I call my mom, and he said, I'm intentional, I'm calling her a lot, and I'm intentionally telling her, mom, I love you. And what I love about that guy is he's saying this, I could become bitter over what my dad never said, but instead he's saying, I'm going to become better as a result of it, and I'm going to use words that are powerful to impact the life of someone else. I was talking with Pastor Steve this, this week, and he really respects his dad. He watched his dad take care of his mom. You've heard him share those stories before. He watched his dad take care of his mom for years and years. He watched his dad. He learned from his dad on the farm. He was a hard worker. Undoubtedly, Steve has huge respect and love for his dad. Yet this week, he 
spoke to me about a lesson that I should keep in mind as a father. And he described to me in detail the time when his father had the the perfect setup to build him up as his son. The whole family was there. They were all listening. But instead of building him up, he tore him down with his utterly indifferent words. And 30 plus years later, Pastor Steve told me that story with such detail, it was as though it had just happened yesterday. And Pastor Steve's point to me was this, even a really good dad, like many of you, even a really good dad needs to be incredibly careful and incredibly intentional with your words to your sons and daughters. Words have the power to either make us or break us. And the more significant the person's role in our lives, the more significant, the more impactful their words become. But you know, you might be here today and you might be thinking, you know, frankly, I didn't have a good father figure. Or maybe my parents have passed away, my dad's passed away. But you would say maybe you didn't have someone in your life that that spoke life-giving words into you. Maybe you didn't have a dad or a, a coach or a mom that even did that or a mentor or a boss that even did that. And so on this subject, you feel like you've been a little bit cheated. You feel like you're a little bit on the outside looking in. I've got to tell you this week that I have been so excited to share with you what God's Word says, what your Heavenly Father says about you. Words that are inspiring, words that you just walk away and you go, wow, God, God Almighty says that about me? I can't wait to share some of these words with you. These are straight from Scripture, things that as a child of God, you look at and you go, really me? Things like this, you are a chosen people. First Peter chapter 2, you are a chosen people and what do you do? It says that you belong to God. You belong to Him. Or Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, it says, for we are God's workmanship. Meaning this, you're no accident. You're no accident and you were created by God, you were created for God, and God is not absent from your life. Or this one, this is huge. Words like, never will I leave you. God's saying to us, never will I forsake you. Let me also encourage you with this. There's potentially one, something that could be even more powerful than receiving words yourself, and that's giving words. Something potentially even more impactful is to be able to be so intentional with your words that you look over the course of your life and you can see different people's lives that you've touched because you were intentional with your words. Today in our text, we're going to hear some powerful words that Jesus received from God the Father. These words that God the Father spoke, they, they weren't just kind of falling flat. No, they expressed deep emotion. They reflected the relationship that God the Father truly had with His Son, Jesus Christ. And so if you've got a Bible, turn with me to, to John chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 29. Let me lay out how we're going to kind of work through the scriptures this morning. We're going to start, as I said, in John chapter 1, and we're going to see the event of the baptism of Jesus Christ. And then what we're going to do is we're going to look at that exact same event in Luke chapter 3. If you're new to the scriptures, know this, and this is, this is helpful hopefully for all of us. When we read through the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you're, if you're new to church, know that those are four different accounts of a lot of the same events. And so it's interesting, it's helpful to go and and to read one thing like the baptism of Jesus Christ in the book of John, but then to go to the book of Luke and just go, okay, what's the other perspective? It's written by a different author, it's a unique perspective. And so we're going to see that today. And we're going to find in the book of Luke some incredibly significant words that God the Father spoke to Jesus Christ. So first, John chapter 1 verse 29. 
This is the scene. Very big event in the life of Jesus. This marked the beginning of his ministry. Uh, He was 30 years old. Jesus was 30 years old when this is taking place. Verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, when John said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, this was a big statement. These were very weighty words because what John was communicating was the core of the mission of Jesus Christ. Look, the Lamb of God, the one who would take away the sins, not just of one person, not just of one people group, not just of of one cluster. No, look, the Lamb of God, and they would have known that would have not been foreign language to them, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world the world of all people, all humanity. Look with me at verse 30. Let's keep going. This is the one I meant when I said, and remember, this is John talking. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Now know that John the Baptist is being very intentional with putting himself in the correct light. He's saying, Jesus Christ deserves to be in one place and I deserve to be in a completely different other place. He's saying, I came before Jesus. I came, John the Baptist came, to prepare the way for Jesus so that when Jesus came, people would know who he was, so that when Jesus came, they would be ready for Jesus' coming. But in light of that, he's saying, you know what? The one that came after me, he's actually greater than me. And then it gets kind of confusing, I think. He says he was actually before me. And what John is referring to is that Jesus, though he's coming after me, He's before me. He's been around forever. And he's acknowledging in that point, Jesus is the creator. And so John, as one of Jesus' creation, he's wanting to lay it out. He's wanting to make sure his listeners are very clear, this is who Jesus is. And this is who I am. He makes it even more clear in, in John chapter 1, verse 26 and verse 27, if you just go up a little bit. He says, the one who comes after me He says, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. I mean, imagine that. John's saying, I'm not even worthy to get down on my knees and to take off the shoes of Jesus. I'm not even worthy to do that. If you look at another account of this this whole interaction, if you look in Matthew chapter 3, verse 14, you'll see that when Jesus showed up and he started coming to, to John to get baptized, John said to him, he tried, he tried to deter him, and he said, no, 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 I shouldn't baptize you, Jesus. Jesus, no, 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 you need to baptize me. Again, and we see this throughout the, the gospel accounts, John's words are chosen very carefully. And with his words, he's wanting us to know Jesus is in the highest place. He's the name above all names. He's the Lamb of God. Look with me at verse 31. He says, I myself did not know him, Jesus. I myself did not know him. But the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on me. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And then he makes a very big statement. He kind of draws a line in the sand. He bottom lines it here. John says, I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. John says, I I didn't even know him. But when he was baptized, 
When I saw the Spirit of God descending on him, then I knew, I knew for sure, without a doubt, this is the Christ. This is God's chosen one. I've seen him, and I testify, this is the Christ. Weighty words. He's putting, putting it all out there. This is the Christ. Now look with me at the book of Luke. We're going to look at the same account. And now we're going to see God the Father say some very impactful words right along with the same account. Words into the life of Jesus Christ. Look at me at verse 21 of Luke chapter 3. It says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. Now, as you can imagine, this was quite a baptism. This was quite a sight. In the book of the gospel book of Mark, we get even more detail into this part of the story. And it says that as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven torn open. Now imagine that. Jesus comes out of the water and heaven is torn open. I asked my kids this week, I said, what do you think that looked like? Oh, what was that like? I don't know about you, but on Friday night, I was outside in, in the evening when that storm was rolling in. And um, man, I just remember looking at the sky and I mean, it, was, it was pretty cool. You know, it came in really dark, a lot of thunder, and then the lightning was just illuminating the sky. It was quite a sight. But imagine the scene here. Jesus, the Lamb of God, is being baptized right along with other people. But then right there, when he comes out of the water, it is not baptism as usual. Not at all. The sky opened up and heaven was torn open. And what happened? The Spirit of God descended on Jesus. This baptism was a defining moment. And it was unforgettable for the people who were there. Unforgettable. But know this, what has happened up to this point is really just leading up to the most significant moment in this story. You'll notice that Luke didn't really even give us a lot of detail. He just said, and Jesus was baptized too. Not a, not a lot of detail about the baptism. Luke's whole intent was he wanted us to, to know these words that we're about to read. Up to this point, it's been a powerful thing to hear John the Baptist pointing to Jesus and saying, Jesus deserves to be in this place and I'll be over here. I deserve to be in this place. I'm just preparing the way for the one I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. But now, God the Father is going to speak to his son. It's one thing, isn't it, to speak about someone else's child? I mean, it's one thing to say, hey, I saw your son, and, and to talk about that. But it's a whole other thing, isn't it, when a parent speaks about their own child. It's, it's, it's totally different. Because why? Because a parent knows their child like no one else does. I saw this uh, played out a, a few weeks ago. We were over at some friend's house, and, and they were having a birthday party for their son. And, and there were lots of kids. Uh, there were at least 10 kids under 7 out playing in this backyard. And, and I was sitting with another dad, and... and um, and the kids were playing together, and we were just kind of eating and having a good time, and they were playing ball. And, and all of a sudden, one of the footballs went over the, the neighbor's fence. And so one of the kids that lived in the house came up to his dad, and, and he said, he said, Dad, the ball went over the fence. Can I go get it? And I figured this, they mu this must happen a lot because the, the dad said, yeah, just go get it. And so the kid walked out. He opened the gate to his fence and got out and opened the gate. He knew how to get into the neighbor's fence, and he walked the length of the fence. And this is a big, tall, white, eight-foot, white plastic fence. We couldn't see through it. And so the kid walked in there to get the football, and, and so we're sitting, you know, we're still sitting there eating, and, and I'm sitting next to another dad, and, and then the, the, 
all of a sudden there was a, um, a, a noise that was pretty startling. A dog started barking, and then right after this dog starts going crazy, we hear this kid screaming at the top of his voice. I mean, top of his lungs. And then something happened that I, I've never seen someone move so quickly. I'm sitting next to a dad, not the dad of the child that's across the fence, but I see that dad. And that dad makes a beeline to the fence. I've, he was like the flash. I've never seen anyone run so quickly. And I'll say this because I can't say it very often. He was just a little bit shorter than me, I think. And I've, I've never seen anyone jump over a fence like he did. Eight foot, up and over, no sweat. I'm thinking, how did he do that? And, and here's the deal. He gets over the fence, gets his kid, kid's okay. But as I'm processing this whole event, I'm thinking, man, I'm like still sitting here. Like, do I not even care about kids, right? I mean, and, and as I thought about it, it was like, why was my reaction time so poor? And the guy next to me, equally poor. But this dad, he heard his son's voice, and he was on it. It was a trash can in his way. He ran through it. I mean, it was, quite, it was like the movies. It was great. But here's the thing, and this was what stuck out to me too. I could have gone over that fence. I could have picked this little boy up and said, I got you. You're okay. You're fine. You're fine. And I could have calmed him down, and that would have meant something. But this dad did it. This son wanted to hear, and what was meaningful to this son was his dad's voice and his dad's presence saying, you're okay. I've got you. You're fine. Look with me at this next part in the text. The father is speaking to his son. This is the high point. This is the apex of this text. And remember this, words have the power to either make us or break us. Look with me at the second part of verse 22. It says, and a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Straight from the father, no one knows him better. And the father, God the father says, you are my son. Jesus, you. Jesus, you are my son whom I love. Again, the whole point that Luke is making, the whole point that, that Luke is trying to communicate through giving us this account is these words that the father would speak to his son. Now know that Jesus was about to begin his ministry. So, I mean, this is a big time in his life. Jesus was about to go off to the desert to be tempted by Satan for a long period of time. And the Father, what does he do? The Father loves him. The Father identifies with him. The Father affirms him. The Father models for us how to use words. Not only does he say who Jesus is, but he speaks about him. First, he says, you are my son whom I love. The words are powerful, aren't they? I mean, how powerful is it to say, you are my son. I identify with you. You, you're mine. I claim you. You are my son, and not just any other son. You are my son whom I love. Powerful. Second, God the Father says to him, you are my son whom I love. And then he, he adds, with you, I am well pleased. With you, I am well pleased. Now, why would the God, the Father, be pleased with his son, Jesus Christ? You probably know the answers. Jesus has li lived a sinful life up to this point. Jesus has followed his Father's will. But I think even more importantly, Jesus and God the Father knows that Jesus is about to follow his will all the way to the cross. And he knows, okay, you've just been announced, Lamb of God, who will take away the sins of the world. And so God the Father looks at his son and he says, you are my son, whom I love, 
And with you I am well pleased, knowing that I am pleased you are about to walk through the cross so that all people, not just one or two, so that all people can put faith and trust in you and can know me, God the Father. And so he says, you are my son. With you I am well pleased. We have moments like that as parents, don't we, when we, we look at our kids and we just go, wow, I'm pleased with you. Um, can you think of any times like that? Can you think of times when maybe you've looked at your own children and you've just said, wow, I'm, I'm really pleased with you. I'm, I'm so glad to call you my daughter right now. I'm, I'm pleased with you. We've been having some, uh, some training time in our own home. Our youngest uh, son is being potty trained right now. He's two, and, and uh, Easton's his name. And, and um, I got a text message. Uh, I got this picture in a, a text the other day. Getting potty trained outside, it looks like, and that's on the back deck there. And, and then um, a couple days later, I, I got this picture. Yeah. His location is a bit off, but we are proud of him, you know. But then we got th- this one, was, we caught him one more time, and, and the bucket is the one that, that's, you see the little blue thing there? That's a bucket that he's trying to catch it with, and I'm really proud of him for that, right? So some, some, some proud moments are happening at, at, at the Dart family. But back to the Bible, sorry. Uh, you, you know the thing about this passage that really grabs me in all, all seriousness? The thing that really stuck out to me this week is that God the Father didn't have to say these words to Jesus. He didn't have to. There was no one saying, you need to, don't, don't forget, Jesus is about to go off to ministry. Don't forget, Jesus is about to be tempted by Satan in the desert. No, he didn't have that. But God the Father, not being forced to, not having to, he chose to. He said the words. Our Heavenly Father was intentional with his words, and thus his words landed with force. The reason why the Father didn't have to is because Jesus knew the answer. Jesus knew his relationship with the Father. He knew everything. He knows everything. It was no, it was no mystery to him. But don't miss this. God the Father still, he still spoke. God the Father didn't just leave those words in thought. He actually put them into action and he spoke them. He moved down the dock and he actually he spoke the words. God the Father looked at his son and he didn't just think it. He actually, he actually said it. And he did it in a big fashion. Heaven was torn open. I mean, it was a, it was a big deal, a really big deal. Words have the power to either make us or to break us. You know, I don't know a single person who wouldn't be better off being reminded, and I think often, of the words that your heavenly Father speaks over your life. Christina, my wife, came to know Christ because someone, she heard someone talking about the words that God the Father speaks over his children, over over you and I. She grew up in a home um, where she had, over the course of the years, several different father figures. There There was no consistency in her home. But she had this defining moment with God, undeniable moment with him. And she put it like this. She, she said, it was Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. And, and this guy that was sharing, he said, God is your father. And then he shared a passage. And he said, ne- and the, the, the scripture says, Deuteronomy 31, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And she says, I honestly remember tears running down my face and thinking, if there is a, really a father who loves me like that, I want him. 
She says, it was like an offer of what I had always wanted but didn't have, no matter how hard I tried to be perfect. And it was also, it was a promise that no matter what, I would never be left. He wouldn't take his love away. But that's the power, I mean, that's the powerful words that God the Father speaks to, to, to all of us. If God the Father, think about this, if he were sitting across the table from you, he would want you to know. I mean, this is straight out of Colossians chapter 1. If you were having a conversation with God the Father, he would want to. I believe he'd want to say to you this morning, when he looks at you in the sight of Jesus Christ, he sees you as blameless. He sees you as a, a, a person that's holy. I mean, think about that. I mean, I, I, when I think about me, I tend to think what's wrong right away. But when God the Father looks at you through Jesus Christ, he thinks holy. He thinks blameless. I mean, it's amazing. Tim Keller put it like this on Twitter this week. He said, how does the Father love the Son? That's how much He loves you. How does the Father, I love this, how does the Father enjoy the Son? That's how much He enjoys you. Our Heavenly Father, He looks at you and He says, I mean, He he knows you. He knows you by name. So he He says, Matt, He says, you're my Son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased I mean, think about that. He knows your name. He knows who you are. I mean, that's the truth straight out of Scripture. In Christ, Jenny, you are my daughter, whom I love. In you, I am well pleased. I mean, think about every single one of us. I want to close this way. I, I, I just want to say, I, I think as a, as a dad here on Father's Day, I think it's an incredible privilege for us to be dads, but I also think it's a, it's a huge responsibility. I feel the weight of that responsibility. And so I want to encourage the dads here for a second, and I want to encourage you, would you speak intentional words into the life of your children? Would you be very intentional about it? A passage stuck out to me this week from the book of James, and if you know anything about the book of James, it's a very practical book, but James spends a pretty good chunk of time talking about the, this very topic, the, the power of our words. And James, he likens it to, he gives an illustration, and he said, you can think of it like this, you got a big ship, and he's saying that big ship, it's driven by strong winds. But he says, the thing that determines the direction of the ship, the thing that really sets the ship's course is a very small rudder. And then he goes on to say, your words, he says, they're they're small, you might think they're insignificant, and though they're small, they're huge. And what they do is they have the the potential to direct someone's life. And I would say to you this morning, dads, your words have the potential to direct your children's life. I don't know how else to say that. That's sort of weighty, but it's it's really true. Our words are powerful. I heard a pastor that I highly respect. He, He said it like this. He said, you need to decide what you want and what you think your children need to hear from you. And then he said, you need to say it 10 times more than you think you do. Once you think they've got it, he's saying, say it 10 more times. And so I was encouraged to do this, and, and I wrote down these statements. And these are things that I try to say. These are four statements I try to say to each one of my kids every day. So I'm not perfect in it, but my kids are hearing this a lot. Here it is. I love you. I believe in you. I'm proud of you. And then I say, and Jesus loves you most. Those four things. But it's, it's intentional. And I feel like I've got so much to learn on this whole thing of words. But know this, dads. Our words are powerful. 
You have the power to direct your child's life like a ship based on these small things that you might think are insignificant, but they're huge, your words. Secondly, I just want to say a word to children. You might be here, you might be a teenager, you might be an adult child, and know this, there's nothing more meaningful, there's no gift, there's no act of service that you could do for your dad or your parents, there's nothing more meaningful than if you would speak a word of encouragement into your parents' life. You wouldn't believe how starved they are for it sometimes. I hear about it. You wouldn't believe it. How how much if you would just take them aside and, and maybe, and I know there are issues, and maybe just lay those aside for a while, but just sit down with them and have a conversation, maybe write a note, whatever it would be, but maybe just face-to-face and just say, hey, I, I just want you to know. And would you speak some words of encouragement and you would not believe the power in the words that you could, ha- the words that you could give them, the life that you could bring to them. And not only that, we see this in the scriptures, when you do that, children, you're blessed by God. Not only are you obedient to him, but it's a, an, an obedience that comes with a blessing straight from, the, from, from God's word. Words have the power to break us and they have the power to make us. You know, I was thinking this week, I was trying to imagine what would it be like if everyone in the room walked away and they said, these words that your heavenly father actually says to you throughout the course of a week, what would it be like if we reminded ourselves of what our heavenly father actually thinks about us, that he sees us as holy, as blameless in Jesus Christ? What would that be like? I think it would put a little hop in your step. And what would it be like if sons looked at their dads and they said encouraging words? And what would it be like if fathers looked at their daughter and they looked at their son and they spoke truth and they they brought life into their kid's life and they directed them by the words that they spoke? This week I felt like God nailed me on this topic and um, and just challenged my heart to, to be a man that's really speaking words of truth, intentional words of truth and of love and, and of encouragement. And, um, and so I humbly say, I need God's help with this one. And um, so I just want to end this way. I want us just to pray together. And, um, and let's just ask God to help us use our words in a, in a great way. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you were very specific and you spoke words into the life of Jesus Christ. And Lord, um, I would pray that we would follow your model today. Lord, I pray for each dad here. And Lord, we, just, we honor dads today. And Lord, I, I thank you for the men in the room. And Lord, I would ask that you would give us the courage and the wisdom. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us the words. Because they're powerful. And you gave them to us. And so I pray that we would use them for, for good and for your glory. So, Lord, we love you, and um, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's worship together.